you to turn, just uh, to take three readings from the Bible. Genesis chapter 4, please. Genesis chapter 4, when we are in Borneo, we tell people that this is a 6,000-year manuscript, although the paper might be quite modern, and uh, the printing is also very, very uh, recent, yet the words translated have come 6,000 years through human history, and they remain true when every science book and whatever book that man has ever written had gone out of the scene of time. The Bible, the Word of God stands. Genesis chapter 4 and verse number uh, 7, God is speaking to Cain. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. I just want to repeat that again. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. One more reading, please, to the New Testament. Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. These are, I would like to usually inform people that eyewitnesses' records, not something that would be 200 years apart after the entire event of the Lord's coming into the world uh, has passed. Uh, as the Quran uh, was written 200 years later on after Muhammad had passed away. But these were written within the very first century while it was all fresh and the Spirit of God working in the hearts of men. Mark chapter 7. Verse 37, Mark 7, verse 37, these were words of eyewitnesses and they were beyond measure astonished, saying, He had done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and dumb to speak. And my third reading, if I can ask you to turn, Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6. Six. Romans 5, verse number 6. It says, Therefore, when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For we were yet, when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. God will bless His Word every time it goes forth in its preaching and hear the Gospel. <clears throat> the three verses that we've just read, I frequently like to use. The first one, I call it a principle to life. It's not about doing your best. If you just read it like that, it may feel as if, if thou doest well, Shalt thou not be accepted? It's good works. If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. We have been reminded of context. I ask you to go back and read. It's not about good works. God is talking about faith and faithlessness. There was one man who came knowing all that God would require. And by faith he came, offering all that he would as a shepherd. And the brother also came, but he was faithless. And therefore God was speaking to him, If thou doest well, 
In other words, approach by faith in all that you know. You know that you are re- you, you know there is a God. We can bring the story that they knew the Garden of Eden still in existence in those days. If thou doest well, coming, believing, shalt thou not be accepted with all the evidence already laid out. If thou doest not well, sin is very close by. Sin lieth at the door. We have a similar verse in the New Testament. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so, well, I just want to say this. Have you ever come speaking to God from your heart with your own words? This is the many problem, uh, uh, my own problem, I know very well. When the day came that I shut the door to simple faith, when the day came when I decided that because I couldn't see God, there must be no God. How foolish was I? And by doing that, I did not do well. Sin was just lying at the door when I was completely faithless. Whatever that was before me was open to me. Sin lying so close by. And I realized before long, I was down in the gutter. It took that experience for God to teach me. And the amazing thing is, when I was kneeling on the hostel room on the Sunday afternoon, when I was one who said there was no God, finally in that wretchedness said, God, please help me. Dear friend, I didn't know that I was approaching, believing that He hears me. I said, God, if you exist, please help me in my wretched situation. Dear friend, have you ever come speaking to God from your own heart, with your own words? There was a time when I recited prayers, but that day I spoke to God as if He whom I cannot see could hear me. You know, why assume He is not there? It's a strange thing. Why assume He is not there? The fact of intelligent worship that man for many generations have spoken, it cannot be that they are speaking just around the ceiling and intelligent worship with all the praise and worth. It cannot be that they are just speaking to the ceiling and that these individuals speak of the word of worth of the unseen God who became man, manifested in flesh, died on Calvary for you and for me. Dear friend, how can it be? Intelligent worship tells me there is an unseen God and simple faith draws me to Him. Dear friend, why assume that there is no God? Why assume that He is not there? Because intelligent faith tells me, not only that, answered prayer. On Friday night, if you were there, there were people praying. There were those who were in need, those who could not come to the conference, those who would have loved to be here. And amazing thing would be answered prayers. That prayers have been answered and people repeatedly refer, the psalmist repeatedly refers to the past goodness of God. Are you telling me that they were just saying nonsense? They could see the consistent hand of the invisible God. Oh, dear friend, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Why assume that he could not hear? Why assume that we cannot come by simple faith, speaking as it were to God, like you would to a parent, a caretaker, 
Someone you would consult when you are in deep trouble. The evidence of divine communication, dear friend, I was already just telling you at the beginning uh, of the meeting of our session that these words, the Holy Bible, communicated in such a way from the invisible God still remaining true while the, book, while the books of science have been obsolete, rendered obsolete even the, as recent as a hundred years ago. Dear friend, it tells me that these are more than just mere man. Used by God, inspired holy men of God, moved as they were. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Dear friend, the Word of God tells me that there is a God that we need to come. Believing that these are inspired words, here is a principle to life. I move on. Because eventually, if you would come by simple faith, then it's not easy now, it's not difficult to introduce to you to the Lord Jesus Christ. He truly has come. And Mark chapter 7, verse 31, it tells us that here is the Prince of Life. He has done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. I have been enjoying conversations in the car with Brother Lindsay because I appreciated that he was a man that loved music. And in my unsaved days, I too was one who was deeply into music, but it was the different kind, the vile kind. And last night, as I was there at the sing-along, I just flashbacks, the happiness, the joy. And I can remember the first hymns that I learned, I found words like none other. And compared to the life when before I was saved, the kind of music, it's vileness. Oh dear friend, I couldn't with all my words of singing, the rock music and whatever, the rebellion, I had no word to tell God. I had nothing to hear from God. But the day came when I was saved by grace and seeing the words of the hymn. When I think that God is son not sparing, send him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on the cross my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sins. I tell you, dear friend, I was astonished. And I say he has done all things well, for he's finished the work on the cross for me. And then I could hear the word of God. And then I could sing and tell Him how I thank Him for all that He has done through His Son. Dear friend, in recent, uh, uh, just last month, I was really enjoying uh, uh, studying the story of uh, Charles Wesley. You know, hymns that they wrote, and this morning was one of those hymns that I was looking at. And Charles was a man who did it best, hoping that God would take him to heaven. And Peter Bowler one day could tell him, no, 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 just shook his head. And Charles Wesley knew from that point onwards, he couldn't do his best, and if he did, he would be nowhere. And then he trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe, I believe. In his bed, he was a sick man at that time. And in simple faith, he said, I believe, I believe. Two days later, some historical records tells us, he wrote and penned the hymn, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Three times he says, for me, for me, for me, in the first verse. Can you say that tonight, dear friend? Before we finish the meeting, can you sing, Jesus died for me? He has done it all so well. Look not on it, on it as a tragedy, but you know through Sunday school stories, 
He was the one who loved you and gave himself for you. You can think of William Cooper. Oh, in his situation in the mental home when everyone was safe, useless, unprofitable. And there he reached out to his Bible and turned to Romans 3. The light flooded in his soul and then he could pen, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged, plunged. Will you not do it tonight? Just plunge, just venture, just give your whole self. Beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Oh dear friend, I was thinking of that uh, wonderful hymn, How Great Thou Art. And as I look at the story, that third stanza is very precious because as that dear man, Stuart Hine, was cycling on the mountain, he had come, just arrived. And those people had just started to read the Bible because they were illiterate. And someone began to read the Bible and they had just arrived at the story of the crucifixion. And then they began to realize how great the Savior is. And here Stuart Hine was preaching the gospel, or Stuart Heaney, if you want to use another pronunciation. And then they say, we have lived for so many generations in these mountains, never knowing once that the same God that created the mountains, so strong, so stable, so secure, is the same one that bled and died on Calvary for our sins, that we might be saved eternally. Oh, dear friend, the one who was strong as the mountain, bore our sins in his own body on the tree. He was strong there. He never came down. He exhausted the wrath of God. Dear friend, how strong a Savior you want. Look at the cross of Calvary. There is the one for you. We think of the mountain giving them shelter. You think of the cross, the Savior giving shelter to every wretched sinner who would turn to nothing else but to Him. Oh, what a wonderful shadow and shelter and refreshment. And you think of the mountain scene being so stable and so high in its station. And when Calvary's work was done, it is finished, was His cry. Third day He rose again, ascended up on high. How stable the Christian's position is when we can only say we are sinners saved by grace. But Jesus died for us and therefore I am free and I'm with Him. Dear friend, what about you? We can say all these great things. Here is the Prince of Life. He has done all things well. He maketh both the dumb to hear and the deaf, the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. I want to think of uh, Romans 5 and 6 there. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Here is the provision for life. Borneo has many stories and... Um, There are many legends and the river, the longest river is legendary, the Rajang River, has many stories. And I want to just touch on Romans 5 and think of this tragedy. It was a boat tragedy and I have 12 points but I have only 5 minutes left. Follow me closely as I tell you these things. It was on, a, on, a, on an occasion that no one had thought it would happen. And then when many thought that disregarding the law was fine. You see, it was festival time. And if you remember the long boat that I showed you yesterday, 70 capacity, but 200 packed that boat that day. Usually, they always do that. And therefore, because past occasions, there was no accident, it must be fine. 
And so they disregarded the jetty master's advice that there was, it's an overload. And so they went. And I believe, I remember it was told, this is a real story that just happened a few years ago. Many were boasting. They were saying, it has never, ha- it has never happened before, so it must be fine. But dear friend, this is how life's journey has been for many an individual. Disregarding the laws of man that we do know. And many think that because the past and because other individuals uh, have done it and it is okay. But I tell you, Brother Lindsay was telling me last night to look up a particular uh, website. As I was, we were recalling rock groups and all these people dying young. I said to him, in my soul at that moment of time when I was unsaved, I knew that somewhere along the line, I might just lose my life because of the way we were just disregarding the preciousness of life. But I realized then when I had a soul, I was in deep trouble before God. Oh dear, these dear people, they disregarded. But then there is another, not just, you see, what happened was eventually at the, when the waters were calm, the boat was alright. But as they went home, there was, the journey was almost arriving and it was always going upstream. And further uh, in Kapit, just beyond there, the, the, the water became very strong. And when the waters became very strong flowing down, the boat began to show evidences that it was not going to go anymore. The 1000cc Mercedes engine was being drowned by water. You see, dear friend, there were, there were those who disregarded the laws of the jetty and the wharf when they got on the boat. But they could not disobey the laws of creation where gravity, weight, water, and things that would go beyond the laws of physics, the unseen laws, these things were now being seen taking place when gravity was pulling down. Dear friend, you would have been listening very closely to what our brother Stephen was saying, that in our generations, people would want to disregard all these things, but pay attention. When they disregard all these laws of nature and creation, serious consequences will come. And that day, that boat sunk. And the people, there was no more mocking. There was no more escape. Seventy people inside that boat. And they were all rushing and trying to get out. But let me just come to... The, the people that tried to escape. Some were who were on the top, they felt that they were very free, so they jumped. They thought that they would be okay. But the strong waters drowned them. You know, dear friend, there were those that would think that at the last moment, I'll escape. When the moment comes to the crisis, I'll get away. But for many individuals who do not live to tell the story, they would have told you it was too late. They could not realize it. And those that were at the top, they jumped to their peril. And there were those that were clinging to things as the waters uh, were uh, uh, rushing. There was a man clinging to his bottles of alcohol and he drowned. 
There was another man who was bringing back cash to be dispersed to his family members and he didn't want to part with the cash and he too drowned. What lessons, dear friend? Entertainment and the world and the lust of the flesh and material wealth, holding on to it, will drown. So these individuals, so, so sad, they just drowned. There was another individual, he was trying to swim. There was a swimmer before that, but so happened that day he was sick. He tried his best to swim. He was a good swimmer. He tried to swim. But at that very moment, he was just not well. And he too drowned. He was one of the uncles. That's why we have this story so vividly told. Because to one of the sisters, the believers in the uh, in Kapit, the uncle drowned. And the lesson is this. We might think that we are strong. We might think that we are self-righteous. There will be moments inside us when the disease of sin will manifest. When the disease of uh, sin and wretchedness will come out some other way. It will tell us when we were yet without strength. The good news is when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Dear friend, can we reach out to you? just as we, as we are going to close now. There was another individual. He was told to take off his clothes. Because the water was so rushing fast, he was wearing jacket. take off everything. And thankfully, they extended the branch. And he came out naked from the river. You know, dear friend, when a poor wretched sinner takes off the pretenses, puts away all these things that he has been holding on to. Or this, just simply that you have nothing to gain before God for your own righteousness. Just leave it all behind. Come wretched and naked before a holy God and own that you are a sinner. That man gained. The branch was extended. He, his life was spared and he was saved. And there was one more. I just ask you to uh, just bear with me. One very awkward. There was one very fearful soul. He could not swim. He did not have the ability of relatives and friends. He, all that he could do was to go as high up as he could as the boat sank engine first from behind. It just went like this. And this dear man went on top of that, on top of the, to the very front of the boat and he just clung to the very tip of the front there. And as the boat sank, before the tip was covered, Finally, it stopped sinking. For the bottom of the boat has struck rock bottom. And he was up there, didn't drown. You know, when I think of Calvary, there was one who has exhausted the wrath of God to rock bottom. Nothing else that would be required to settle the matter of sin. If you would be like that dear man, nothing else to cling, nothing else to boast, no ability, no friends, just to helplessly, just cling and helplessly hold. When Christ, when the boat struck rock bottom, that top part there saved, saved him. The Lord Jesus Christ exhausted the wrath of God at Calvary's cross. He was buried three days at, in the tomb. And then He rose again, dispelling death forevermore. For we have been enjoying the empty tomb. Peter and John could go because it was clean, as if it was, there was no uh, corruption, no stain whatsoever. Death could not hold that tomb because the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has risen. Dear friend, He is risen. He is alive to be your Savior. 
And before we leave, we speak to you. Will you not open your heart, return to him and your, all your helplessness? For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Don't think of the ungodly. Think of when we were yet without strength. We've been hearing of, from Brother Phil of those who doubt. Those who felt that they were as if Christian and yet were doing all these things. Those who have grown up when we were yet without strength. Then you realize that that's the ungodly and that's me. And if I have just simply trusted the Lord Jesus, I am free for Christ died for the ungodly. Dear friend, we will shortly pray. And if I can reach out to you with one more appeal. What are you depending on? The Lord Jesus Christ in prophetic words, Thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. So that, dear friend, you might stay on top and be brought on high. And as we think of these things, dear friend, we pray for your precious soul. Do not take that journey just like those that we have heard in that boat tragedy. Do not wait till the last moment. Do not disregard the laws. But in those moments of crisis, take the example of that one single awkward man who just stayed there. He didn't know, he didn't even know that was the way. But simply, helplessly, he just clung. The Lord Jesus Christ is that Savior who has borne the wrath of God for you and for me and now lives to be your Savior and is knocking at your heart's door. Here is the provision for life, the Prince of Life Himself. He has done all things well. Will you go out this evening to tell out His praise and to hear His word forevermore, rejoicing on your way? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Shall we pray? Our God and our Father, we thank Thee for wonderful times of conference where the Word of God is spoken from the heart, from the Word of God, we thank Thee for all who have come. We thank Thee for the young people here. We thank Thee for children who have come. And look to Thee, O God, that each coming with a need, we pray that it has been answered. And Thou alone who knows the heart of every individual would bless abundantly. We pray especially for precious souls among us who needs to know salvation by faith, simple faith. And we look to Thee, our Father, that they may know the words of the hymn writer, all these wonderful things that simple faith may claim, yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. And so we commend these matters to Thee and pray for Thy blessing as we give thanks for the gospel proclaimed and look to Thee for preservation and blessing in days to come in Thy will, in the worthy name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And we close with the words of 333. 333. Thank you so much for all your attention and being here enjoying the conference. 333, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou didst me come to thee, Lamb of God, I come. Verse 1, 2, and 6. 1, 2, and 6. 333. We'll keep to our seats and sing.